from the mind of Danny Atwell. Dark Charm Media's Fascination Street. Starring Paul Schroyer as Damon Holloway. Christopher Hangel as Rafferty. Emily McEnulty as Carrie White. Jesse Kirkland as Roderick Von Bismarck. And Dan McCloskey as the gatekeeper. Welcome to the linchpin of the Dark Charm universe. Carrie stroked Damon's face as she gently laid his head under a materialized pillow underneath the blue light of the Nexus Eternal. She stood up as though she had the whole world on her shoulders, which in this case may have been right. Damon was dying, and he was her whole world. There were so many things that they had been unable to do together, and it would break her heart if instead of her meeting her demise, it was him. That she had been prepared for, not this. Carrie. She looked up at Rafferty, not caring anymore for seeing his true form, and stood up. Next to Rafferty was a strange-looking being who resembled a man clothed in what seemed to be a cloak of black feathers. His features were that of a Native American. The tidings, Watchman. I am Pa. I am a power that will be, and I have been instructed to accompany you to the portals between worlds. <clears throat> I don't need a chaperone. And I will not be <laughs> I guess you can call me your taxi service for your request. <clears throat> Very well. <clears throat> Please keep me posted on his condition, especially if he gets worse. You will have round-the-clock updates in your view screen whenever you wish to view them. I have also calibrated your suit to find and detect this level of Enochian Pyro's energy signature. Good luck, Watchman White. Pa moved his hands in a circular motion as a portal opened next to him. Carrie walked through the portal. As she entered, Carrie noticed that she was standing in the woods on top of a pair of solitary steps. Pa stood behind her. It was a warm climate, and not all the trees were deciduous. The sunlight seeped through the thicket above. What is... Carrie asked, confused about seeing a solitary flight of stairs in the middle of the woods. Mm, it is hard to explain, but just know that we can use these to travel to wherever we need to go. Okay. Suit. Scan location. December 12th, the year 1976. 4.30 p.m. Planet Earth, North America, the United States of America, Florida, near the city of Miami. Scan area for the energy signature on file. Carrie felt a pull toward the city coming from the suit as the energy signature was closing. Carrie started walking, but noticed that Pa was walking with her. 
thought you weren't going to be a chaperone. I have to be accessible whenever you wish. No one will be able to see my presence if you are afraid of me drawing a crowd, that is. Since it will be nightfall, my abilities will be most valuable to you in this endeavor. However, if you wish me to stay here, I will also comply. You have a fascinating look. Can you explain? Well, the mortals of the world viewed me in the young times as the Pawnee god of night. My wife, Shakuru, was the goddess of the day. So, that's why you only come out at night? I don't always come out at night, but that is where my jurisdiction lies. Roderick von Bismarck walked down a street lit by an infernal red light. The people inhabiting it writhed in agony, sin, and torment. They tried to reach out for him, but never seemed to reach him as their clutches passed right through him. These are spirits. <laughs> this place was the Via Diaboli, a stark contrast to the Nexus Eternal as instead of the usual outside of space, time, and reality, this place was stuck amidst the thick of it at its dead center at the outskirts of the Shadowlands. At the end of the street, a building stood into a large dark black tower. Bismarck never knew what the point of the tower was, and no one has ever told him. In front of the tower is an empty stone throne. <sighs> Moloch! He called out to the being that became his master after he betrayed the powers that were. A man who wasn't a man at all, but in a humanized form, sat down on the stone throne. He wore a cloak of owl feathers. Bismarck knelt down in servitude. Moloch released him of his reverence. Why have you returned so soon? News on the Chaos Realm? Your experiment has wrecked havoc there. The Deacon has plunged the world into chaos, and there is no hope there. Excellent. Eventually, he will be taken from there to a new world, to start all over again. Moloch noticed that Bismarck's gaze went from him to the tower behind him. You have questions. I can sense them. Bismarck turned his attention back to Moloch. What is this tower behind you? Even though I've been around the Via Diable for a long time, this... tower... This is something that's never been explained to me. Vasistas. Moloch stood up from the throne and turned around, lifting his arms up to the ethereal sky. Bismarck, I know you are Prussian, but have you ever heard of Dante's Inferno? Indeed I have. Alighieri received a vision of this place, and it turned into what he thought it was. But this is the famed Tower of Babel. The one built by Nimrod? Yes, technically. The one in the physical realm was destroyed a long time ago by the Almighty, but was rebuilt spiritually into the Shadowlands, and became much bigger than it was there. But hell hasn't been created yet. Was this Alighieri's gazing into some parts of the Abyss? The levels of the tower are catered to the sufferings of the Via Diaboli. There is no chance of penance once you get here. 
Moloch cast his hand out into the surrounding souls that were gathered around the throne. Take a look at this refuse. These are souls that devotion wasted their lives in base debauchery of many different sins. Lust, wrath, gluttony. He turned his attention back toward Bismarck. Pride. He stood up and walked as Bismarck rose. While bad here, it is even worse for them in battle. Bismarck needed to change the subject. Deep down, he still had feelings of needless suffering as incorrigible. There has been no sign of the two remaining watchmen. But there has been some things occurring recently that puzzles me. Proceed. It has been reported to me by several members of Belial's brew that members of their unit have disappeared almost suddenly and violently. Which broods? The ones manning and defending the soul bank? Yes. Something's not right. I have picked up residual signatures from Enochian pyros. Interesting. He leaned back into the stone throne and put his hands together. Do you know the difference between normal pyros and Enochian pyros? In your travels as a watchman, did the three sisters of that pathetic twit Rafferty ever explain it to you? No, they did not. This was a sore subject to Bismarck, as the instances of radio silence were what threw him to betray in the first place. Well, normal Pyros was created by the Master after creation as a diluted product of Enochian Pyros that helped birth the universes. If you look in Genesis, Enochian Pyros was active throughout the first six days of creation. Once our former master rested on the seventh day, which he didn't need to do, but did it as an example, that power was diluted to make sure that nothing like that would ever be able to fully change the effects of the work he created. So... Anyone who was created before creation, or during creation, possesses the Enochian signature? Correct. Even the first humans possessed it. Why do you think they lived as long as they did? Also, the first powers possessed it, but after Lucifer's rebellion, any new ones created by the Almighty no longer possess the Enochian variety. So... Whoever is manipulating the soul bank is equivalent to first power status. Hmm. Possibly. All the humans who possessed it died after the flood, except for Noah, and his line diluted over time as humanity soiled itself in mysterious greatness. But ever so often, mortal will have a spark of that power within them, and the effects are wondrous. We would need to investigate this further, as whoever it is doing this is messing with our own plans. I'll speak to our lord about this and get back with you. Very well, sir. We will return back to our show in a moment, but first... Welcome to Baking with Ravith, a culinary show for the young and the young at heart. And now here's your host, Ravith.
the hell is this? I don't know a goddamn thing about bacon. I will not. This is bullshit. Where's bullshit? He's at court right now. Court? For what? He didn't do anything wrong other than beat the shit out of that executive die. Ralphies, we're taping. So whose prison idea was it to have me of all people host on the Tertin show? The CEO felt that your particular talent... I thought it was never a good idea if it bit him in the ass. All we asked of him was to cover our share back, but no! Try to pour this shit out of his ass! Ralphies, please, at least you're on the air in some capacity. This is like putting Hannibal Lecter in charge of the YMCA's. Just humor us, okay? <clears throat> Today's show, we will be missing a raspberry cheesecake. First thing we do is break the few eggs. Separate the shell from the insides there, bud. Rants. Hm. One moment. There's a happy. Oh, now, we're gonna put all this shit in the fucking bowl. Sugar and cheese. That's not even the right cheese, Ralph. Shut up! You said this is my show, right? I'm doing this my way. Now, then. Eggs, sugar, and cheese. Add some flour. <coughs> Now we'll mix them together. Ralphie, that's the wrong speed. But didn't I tell you this was my show? Then they rinse it off all this shit mixed together. And scrape it off the walls and put it back in the bowl. They're gonna kill me. Dumb? I'm gonna tell you for this. Continue. Okay then. So next we set the temperature of the oven to 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 okay, whatever. This is make a real hat. That's the broil setting, Ralphie. Then we put the stuff in a pan and sort of what has the cats on pans? Ralphie's just check the other oven. What other oven? We're the top on the bank. Our fertile tart cheese tart? This isn't even me! Just go with it, Ralphies. This is what they do in all of the cooking shows. This is the method of my own! What the hell is this? Ralphies, don't put that metal pan in the micro- Fuck this I'm gonna go find Bisu. No! Now back to Fascination Street. Miami's nightlife, even in the 1970s, was bustling with people trying to have a good time. Carrie's scans landed her in front of a large nightclub. The birdcage. <clears throat> Suit, tell me about this establishment. The birdcage, in this time era, is a self-styled gay bar with traditional fair and wild parties. Historical warning. This venue on this date is the site of a fire bombing that kills seven people. Oh, good heavens. 
Recommendation. Limit involvement in any way. Stay away from the bar. Unavoidable, as my mission directive could be in this bar. Proceed with caution, as the timeline could be affected by your actions. No shit, Sherlock. Carrie walked across the parking lot, heading to the club. Carrie's suit morphed into a leather jacket, jeans, and a cropped top. She looked down. Hmm. Kind of mannish, but necessary, I guess. She entered the club as disco music blared over the speakers. Her conservative beliefs that had been ingrained into her since she was young were unnerved at the sight of men dancing, hugging, and kissing other men. All were in different attires. Leather, shirtless, drag, and normal 70s clothing. The women who were there seemed to be doing much of the same thing. Some without breasts had their shirts off with tape over their nipples. It was a bit unnerving, but fascinating at the same time. She felt a little dirty being intrigued. Within two minutes of entering, she saw that there were several women staring at her. She tried to ignore them and walked toward a table and sat down. A waiter sauntered over to take her order. Mm, what'll it be tonight, sugar? For someone who had never drunk a single drop of alcohol in her life, she was hesitant to order something out of the ordinary. Um, I think I'll have a beer, please. What brand, tap or bottle? Uh, whatever's on tap's fine. Ooh, I love that little accent of yours. Where are you from? Queen City. The waitress paused, confused, never hearing the name of the city before. Um, where is that? Somewhere in England? Carrie, re Carrie realizing her blunder, smiled. Uh, yes, England. It's near London. Mm, I'll be back with you, Pierre, darling. She walked away, back to the bar to get her order. A moment later, two women walked up to her. Hey, baby. You alone tonight are expecting someone. You're kind of hot. Carrie, while flattered at the attention, had a feeling that she was going to be picked up and reached out with her mind to gauge the proper responses without seeming too forward. I'm waiting for someone. But if they don't show, I will seek you out. The woman smiled and walked back to the pool table in the back. Carrie's eyes widened as she saw the two men that were in Sylvia Devereaux's visions. She stared down at the bracelet that mimicked the signature of the Enochian Pyros. It was almost dead on. The larger man was drinking heavily while the more lithe blonde one danced seductively on the dance floor. Carrie looked down at her bracelet as the signature came more from his general direction. But before she stood up to take her first steps toward them, two other men walked up to them. Hey, you fuck! You stole our wallets! The one she remembered was called Leif kept dancing and ignored the man completely. The other man, who most likely was the other's boyfriend, screamed at Leif. Look at me when we're talking to you. He went to lunge at Leif and was caught by his wrists and flung into the air into the wall. It was so fluid that Leif continued the movement into a dance. This pissed off the other man as he charged at Leif, but again, without missing a beat, the slim man struck with a lot of force, <laughs> knocking him out. The bigger man, she knew his juice, pointed at the two and laughed loudly. The rest of the club joined in the shaming. Leif smiled and walked over to the giant man and leaned against him, like a lover would. Carrie watched with confusion at how gentle Juice was with him. After a minute, Juice walked over to the two on the floor and picked them up like they weighed nothing, propping them against the bar and slapped them both until they responded. <laughs> hey, 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 hey. All right. 
focus. Yeah, we didn't steal shit. I think you learned your lesson, didn't you? Yeah? The two nodded and cowered in front of the monster before them. Now, I'll buy you two a drink. If you promise to fuck all the way off afterward. Deal? Again, the two nodded their agreement. He did just that, and they followed instructions. Carrie waited for her shot to interact with the two from the vision, but never could find the gap in the crowds of people that hung around them like a cloud. Finally, she mustered up the courage to interject herself into the conversation and got up, heading for the table of Juice and life. Halfway into her journey, her goal was once again disrupted. The windows of the club shattered, sunlight poured in, and, right afterward, Molotov cocktails. Several landed inside the establishment. One hit the frame of the shattered window. Several people were now on fire. She now knew the context of the historical event, but couldn't lose sight of the two that she was here for. She looked over and saw them screaming over the chaos to everyone in earshot to get out. Smoke billowed up and began to fill the room. She was fine, as her suit filtered out the problem, but watched the others choke and fall over. The fire spread quickly and her targets were pushing people out of the club. At one point, Juice, the bigger one, punched through a solid brick wall to put people out of the side. Baby, come on, we gotta go. Carrie's eyes searched for Leif and found him by the front door, shoving people out then nodding. As he ran back through the flame-filled club, gunshots rang out and shattered the blacked-out front doors. Screams of people with gunshot wounds joined the madness. Carrie looked from her targets to the front doors and back, trying to wrap her head around the situation, and met the couple's eyes before they slipped out of the giant hole in the wall. She knew their weapons couldn't hurt her, so she walked out of the front of the club, looking back one last time the charred and burning bodies of the victims on the floor behind her. In front of her, people bleeding out from gunshot wounds, some of them already gone. Carrie watched as several men piled into several cars, masks over their faces, guns in their hands. As they drove away, they screamed slurs at the dead and dying. She felt a pang of guilt and pain as she couldn't help any of these people, lest the timeline change. She hung her head and walked away into the side parking lot where the two she was tracking had escaped. When Carrie got into the parking lot, she noticed that Juice and Leif were gone. She sighed in frustration as she gauged the signature once more. It was faint, meaning that they were no longer there. Oh, damn it! She walked back toward the woods where she saw Pa standing, waiting for her. Didn't find what you were looking for? He asked her as her clothing morphed back to her regular suit. I did. Just wasn't able to get- You need to be more careful, Carrie. She was interrupted from the shadows by a voice she didn't expect to hear. She turned to see Bismarck. She manifested her weapons, ready for combat. What the hell are you doing here? Where is Holloway? I asked what you were doing here. Bismarck didn't seem to be in any mood to fight as he walked closer to her. My guess is doing the same thing you have been doing, tracking the Anakian pyro signature. Her weapons dematerialized. What do you know about it? 
I know that something happened to several members of our broods. And now seeing that Holloway is missing, that there might be a link as to what is going on. He isn't missing. Bismarck read her face, nodded, and sighed. I know that look. You don't know me at all. On the contrary, I know you very well. But as our years progress, there will be more interactions between you and I. As for that look, that's the look of a woman who desperately loves her man, realizes he is in trouble, and is doing everything she can at this point to save him. Am I correct? You have a lot of nerve, traitor. Bismarck noticed the power <laughs> standing watch. <laughs> traitor. <laughs> that's funny. <laughs> you allow the Pawnee people to call you a god, knowing there is nothing other than your master, and you call me a traitor? That's one thing I'll never understand about the other side. At least we acknowledge that Lucifer isn't God. Times are different. People understand things better now than they did ever back then. Now, if you don't have anything constructive to bring to the table, I highly suggest you leave. Carrie, there is a third party in play with all of this. I am not certain as to who it is, but I will find out. You should too. I think you know damn well who the third party is. That guy Leif you worked with assaulting Sylvia Devereaux. <laughs> Bismarck started laughing. It made Carrie grow angrier. She almost lost that child and died from blood loss. <sighs> Those two. While unreliable and into their own intentions, are not the third party I'm referring to. But if you wish to continue to poke the hornet's nest, be my guest. He walked deeper into the woods before turning his attention back to Carrie. He pulled out a pocket watch. Oh, and say hello to Holloway for me. I'll be the Z. And he disappeared. Carrie turned her attention to Pa. Let's get out of here. Back in the Nexus Eternal, Damon's eyes fluttered open to see Rafferty talking to someone, but was unable to focus on who it was. How the hell did this happen? I don't remember this happening, Rafferty. I know, but some strange business is happening in the timelines, and it makes no sense that this is happening. Damon tried to mutter something, and the person that Rafferty was speaking to was the seasoned version of himself that rescued him from the hospital. He turned back toward Rafferty. Who do you think this is? Do you need me to help with this? No, you have your own things to deal with. If he dies, will I disappear? Uh, I'm, I'm not gonna die. Rafferty walked over to Damon. You need to rest. The seasoned Damon knelt down. What are you feeling? Damon tried to formulate words. Overwhelming sadness? Like, I have no identity. Like, everything I am, everything I was ripped from me. That's not coming from me. But whoever did this... The seasoned Damon looked over to Rafferty. Do you know of anyone? I'm stumped. There are a few that fit that description but they would be impossible to be involved in this. However, go to these coordinates set in your suit comp. 
and let me know if that being is there. Who? You'll know when you see him. If he is there, it should be okay. I expect to hear from Carrie soon. His eyes shifted from business to concern. She, she's out there alone? She is more than capable of handling this mission on her own. Pause with her. Damon was unable to stay conscious any further and slipped away once more. Juice and Leif arrived home to their apartment several hours later as dawn rose over the horizon. Greeting them in their living room was Carrie, sitting down waiting for them. Good morning, gentlemen. The two men gazed at her, not with a look of surprise, but that of excitement. Well, well, well. We wondered when we were going to see you. Yeah, you know, I gotta admit, man, <laughs> you got a lot of balls. Watch, man, watch, watch woman, whatever. Walking into the lion's den, like your Daniel. Juice said, taking off his suit coat and hanging it up. She stood up slowly. I've been looking for you. Oh, really? Another secret admirer, baby? Really? <sighs> no. I know all my admirers. Besides, I don't think this one is here for my David Bowie impression. Either way, Toots, you've got a lot of nerve coming here. I'll make sure to mail your suit to your commander. I just have some questions. But if I have to fight you to get the answers I seek, then so be it. Leif had a sinister grin come over his face. Ooh, I think she wants to play. Guest starring Miguel Pedroza as Pa and Juice Meadows. Danny Atwell played Moloch and Leif. Ave Satani from The Omen. Composed by Jerry Goldsmith. Get down tonight to Casey and the Sunshine Band. You should be dancing by the BGs and Fascination Street by The Cure. Special effects by Zapspot.com. Dark Charm Media Copyright 2023. All rights reserved.